Welcome to the Run, Lift, Grow podcast with your hosts, Caleb Dilley and Ryan Heenan. From novice to elite athletes, we are here to tell your story and share our perspective. Let's go. What's up, everybody? It's Caleb and Ryan. Welcome back to the podcast. I have to be honest, I'm very excited about our guest tonight. His name is Ihor Veris. He currently lives in Chilliwack, British Columbia. So this is our first international guest. So that's that's something to celebrate too. Uh, Ihor has really, in my opinion, taken the ultra scene by storm. He has won a lot of really great races. And, and actually, if you look at his ultra sign-up, of all the ultras he's ever done, he's only not come in first place once. And he came in second place at that one. Last year, he represented Team Canada at the Backyard Ultra World Team Championship. We'll jump into that a little bit with him, ask him what it was like to to, to be on the national stage. Ihor uh, is a super humble guy, and we are really honored that he joined our podcast tonight. So Ihor, welcome to the Run, Lift, Grow podcast. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you guys for having me. Um, yeah, it's a quite an introduction. It's pressure on it's saying I'm the first international guest. I guess, yeah, I am being in Canada, even though sometimes it seems like <laughs> we're so close. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, really pumped to be on your podcast. No, thanks for being on. So you are, if you would, let us know a little bit about yourself and what got you into these trail races. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm originally from Ukraine. Came to Canada just under eight years ago, um, and uh, I was not a runner back home, back in Ukraine, and I wasn't a runner as I came to Canada either. Um, but then, uh, just running was something. Uh, running was like a mental health tool for me. I wanted to do something that will basically help me to, you know, conquer my demons, manage my stresses. Cause I came by myself, you know, new culture, new language, everything was new. So I just started running uh, small distances on the road. Um, so I didn't do much, didn't do uh, anything crazy on the road. Uh, but uh, probably the biggest change one was when COVID started and um the only place uh, I could be on was a trail other than being locked up in the house. Um, and the uh, trail was the only kind of drudge-free zone where you could get out and, and run. Because even on the roads, you would be running, people would be asking, hey, why, why are you doing this? You're supposed to be sitting in the house. And, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, so trail became my second house. And um, I started exploring limits and sign up into one race and started to go further and further and uh, at some point i realized that this is something i really like and uh, just exploring my limits and uh, pushing the distance more and more um, i was really curious just about uh, if i could do that and how far i can go how fast i can go um, yeah and that's how it all started and uh, i know kayla said that i have a uh, many accomplishments but uh, I, i'm laughing sometimes at it because i did my first ultra race only 18 months ago mm. so i'm still relatively new to it and i'm still trying to figure out what works for me what doesn't uh yeah i'm still learning uh about all this ultra thing 
No, absolutely. And so I definitely can relate to the the COVID time, right? I think fitness for some of us was uh, the only thing we could do for our mental health. I ended up, you know, making a home gym just so I could uh, get some of my energy out during that same time. Running, running is not something I would have done for, for my <laughs> mental health, but for you. So in terms of, you know, when you started out just going on those runs, and again, you know, explaining that it was, you know, for, you know, your mental side and, and help the psyche out. Was there something that caught your interest in actually competing versus just continuing to run as a hobby or to run as therapy? But as far as to actually go into that first trail race, was there something that inspired you to do it on the competitive side? Uh, well, you know, Ryan, I didn't know if I was really competitive. That's the thing. Uh, so during COVID, I attempt the FKT or fastest known time attempt uh, when um, I used to live in Manitoba, um, it's a prairie area in Canada. And uh, I attempted one pretty long trail there. It was a 125K uh, distance. And uh, I knew that I could go that far at that point, but I didn't know if I was competitive enough, you know. So that's why I signed up for the first uh, race as I moved to British Columbia. Uh, the, the, the next available race was this 100K race on the island, Vancouver Island. Uh, and I just went out by feel. I didn't plan on competing. I didn't even know what the course record was, you know, or like I, I it was all brave new world, uncharted territory. And at some point, 50K in or halfway through, I knew that the second guy was like an hour behind me mm-hmm. and I felt great. And I was like, oh, OK, I guess I guess I, I can compete in this sport <laughs> or at least in, in this race, you know. And uh, even after that race, going into the second race, I I always kind of, you know, come with a clean slate, not knowing, okay, well, can I compete here? Can I not? And as I start progressing through the uh, through the race, I realize that, okay, I guess it seems like I can be competitive. I can try to push harder here and try to build some gap. Or if I'm chasing someone, I know I can try and maybe, you know, try to catch the guy in front of me uh so yeah it it was pretty new to me knowing that i can compete in those distances because if we take something shorter uh, i'm not really a fast guy per se you know if we take some uh say half marathon or marathon distance i don't really have that speed uh i feel like it's something that has to come from childhood i don't have that track and field or cross-country background i never ran at school so i don't have the speed in me i feel like I, I my strength is basically endurance and just the ability to uh, just withstand certain um, speed for a long time, you know, and try to yeah. So longer distance seems to be working for me, and I really enjoy it. So if you could, you know, or I'd love to hear, you know, when you started to settle in, into Canada, how did running play a part in? joining you in community with others because you're in a, you're in a new country, right? You don't probably don't know anybody. So how did that, is that where you met a lot of your friends? Was that more so through work? Could you kind of talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it started with, uh, my work friends. Yeah. They, there were a couple, uh, running buddies there and we would run together on certain days and then um, you get, I live there in a small city and, you know, the, the running community is not really big there. 
Um, and we definitely connected and we would get together, try to run together on certain dates. And then uh, when I transitioned into trail running, oh, that's a completely different story. There's um, that community is even smaller, way smaller than road running or even ultra running. And the entire province of Manitoba, I pretty, pretty much knew every single trail runner from entire province or say from entire state, basically, right. you know. Uh, and uh, when I moved to British Columbia, uh, again, like it's all you're you're running, uh, you're making connections. And it's mostly through Strava nowadays. It's very easy to do that, you know. And and um, uh, yeah, it uh, running ultra running and trail running community is one of uh, the greatest communities I've ever experienced in different sports, you know. Um, even it's it even beats the road running community, you know, because here, no matter how fast, slow you are, you are being loved, you're being appreciated. And uh, that's the part that I really love about uh, our sport. You know, when we have had different athletes on from the ultra community, uh, I feel like that's such a common theme. Uh, you know, they're expressing that same thing that that through the trails they found you know, lifelong friends, people that they can trust, people that they can count on. And I think, I think you're right. There's maybe you find that in some other sports, but there's something special about, about trail running that, that brings us together. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I see a lot in ultra running sport, um, maybe not in the elite level, but most of it, like you are in this sport, not to compete someone else. You're here to compete yourself to beat yeah. yourself to be better today than you were yesterday can you beat your time can you can you cross the 100 mile finish line you know it's a huge accomplishment it's a huge no matter if it takes you 16 hours or it takes you 30 hours mm -hmm. the person that goes for 30 hours deals with a completely different demons there you know and he had or she has as much respect from everyone else as the person that does it fast you know Absolutely. And I don't think I've shared this with you yet, but kind of how we got connected. Um, so a guy that I follow on Strava is an absolute ultra running legend. Um, a, a guy who really inspires me um, through some of the films that I've seen. And of course, that's that's Gary Robbins. And I had seen uh, Gary had shared um, on a Strava post and he had linked you in it. And you guys had had a picture together and the run that you guys did was gnarly. And <laughs> I remember thinking, who who is this guy? I've, I've got, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on his profile. So then I did, Ehor, and I was like, holy smokes! I actually texted Ryan. There is one run in particular. I actually commented on it, and I think all I said was gnarly. You had run, oh man, maybe nine. It, I believe it was under ten miles, but your elevation gain in in that amount of distance was like eight thousand feet or something like that. So it must have been a day you were doing just some insane hill repeats. And I remember thinking, what what kind of runner is this guy? Who is he? So then I jumped to your ultra sign up and, uh, you know, I started following you on Strava. And of course, as we were kind of starting to prep for this podcast, um, you know, I was like, I, I would love to have him on and just hear his story, um, which leads me into my next question. So you'll have to forgive me here if I'm mispronouncing this race, but I, I looked this race up and Again, the word that I keep coming to is, is just gnarly. So um, Finlayson Arm 100K? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was the, the first race that I, the ultra race that I did. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that race, you know, quickly for our listeners. 
uh, you know, 100K distance, right? Around, you know, 62 miles. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in this race, around 20,000 feet of, ele- of elevation gain, which yeah, is... It, it is lot. actually 20,000, yeah. 6,000 meters, 20,000 feet. Uh, so it's like two, basically, loops, 50K. Every, every loop has 3,000. It's probably one of the most technical uh 100k courses here in canada for sure and um it's they've actually changed the the route uh lately so it, it has less i think it's under uh 15,000 feet now okay um yeah but this is um i i, I like that part because here speed matters a bit less again so where my strength i feel like just going distance just you know, climbing a lot, and uh, and that basically destroys a lot of uh, fast runners, or at least slows them down a bit. You know, and uh, I I I like that challenge. And going into it, I didn't even know if I could do that much because I've uh, it's been two months since I moved to British Columbia. Uh, before that, I, I've never seen even mountains, so I never ran on mountains. Uh, it was all new to me. But I did a lot of hills uh, climbing before that uh, back in Manitoba. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that race was uh, uh, was hard. And it's in addition, you run it overnight. So you start oh, wow. at 5, 5 p.m. So it's all in darkness. Uh, but it's very beautiful. Uh, yeah. And when I, uh, as I said, at the halfway point, I knew that I was uh, over an hour ahead of uh, the second uh, uh, guy and i was uh yeah i, I was shocked uh, a bit it was all new to me i was like wow like i can't believe i can i can i can be competitive in this sport you know or in this uh, distance um and uh yeah i ended up winning it um I, I think i missed the course record by nine minutes actually okay uh wow. so had second time so Eeyore, and you know, Caleb talked about Strava and all you runners seem to love this, the Strava deal. <laughs> and, you know, when it comes to individual, you know, your workouts and your training and, and understanding, you know, with your, the way you excel with, with the verts and with the distance, you know, it's to me, like you're saying, if it's a sprint or a very short race, you, you know, any runner, any athlete's going to rely on raw speed. And so the mental understanding there is just, Hey, blow it all out. Uh, run fast, be done. You know, it's a short trek, but for you with your training and then with the runs themselves, understanding that the vert is the challenge. And obviously the distance is a challenge. How do you mentally approach making yourself put those reps in, in your training? And then similarly in these races, then when you get to those points where, you know, you've exceeded, you know, the sprinters distance to where it's leveled out that speed game to me, then it becomes completely mental to continue to push past and to push up those verts, what's your mental approach in your training? And then what's your mental approach in a run when you get to, whether it's an out and back or, you know, a loop or whatnot, how are you approaching it when you're actually in the middle of having to climb those verts in a real race? Good question, Ryan. Yeah. And, um, I feel like in ultra running, no matter how strong, how well-trained you are, the end of the day, it's, it's all going to get mental. Yeah, you can log over 100 miles a week. You can, uh, you know, do a lot of training and preparation. At the end of the day, your body is going to get tired. You're still going to get fatigued. And at some point, your body is going to tell you, okay, it's time to stop. It doesn't seem like it's smart moving. Uh, 
mm-hmm. keep moving anymore. So that's where the mental strength kicks uh, into play. And that's where you start convincing. Like well, that's where the total battle, battle between your brain and your body, where you keep telling each other like, okay, let's go. There's a reason why you got into it. And body says, no, okay. Like you were tired, got to stop. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to train. Some people say you can't really train mental part. Some people say you're born with it. I don't agree with it. I'm pretty sure you can train it. Uh, many people say that people that experience something tough or hard in the past, um, it's easier for them to, uh, deal with those, uh, when, when mental game comes into play, that's why you see many people that survived, um, you know, either had some drugs addiction or had some severe losses in their lives. And you see them in our sport and they're very successful. And just because they've experienced something in their life hard and they went through it. So now they can deal with something easier, like a mile around, you know, not a biggie. Sure. And uh, yeah. And in the training, I, I feel like you can train that too, where you put yourself into those situations where you do say a bunch of repeats or a bun- bunch of tough workouts or you put your body through a run, I don't know, overnight. I don't think that you have to do it a lot. Once you start racing uh, and experiencing it more and more, you can build on that. Mm-hmm. So like, I know that I can go through the night. Uh, I don't need to train it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to go and run you know, through the night, uh, four weeks before the race. Like I already know that I did it. I did it many times in the race. So I can focus on something different, you know, something that I can train or, you know, in the backyard, we maybe touch it later, um, where sleep deprivation is um, is a factor. Like you can't train that. How am I supposed to train? And what am I supposed to stay overnight and like watch TV and try not to fall asleep? No that's not how you train. There's no way you can train it. So, you know, it's something that comes from experience. So you raced it, you, you went through the night and many hundred milers you go through the night and uh, yeah, you just build up on that, you know, and, but if you were preparing for the first race, I would definitely recommend having some tough workouts where your body is nagging, where your your body wants screaming, wants to stop. That's where those hill repeats, say come into play where you repeat the same thing and it's annoying and you're, you know, it's boring, but you push yourself, you make yourself do that. You say, you just keep reminding yourself why you started it. And you know that there's, there's always up after down and um, you just have to wait a little bit. We might have to copyright that. There's always up after <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, you know, the uh, ultra race is always, you know, it's always going up and down. If you look at the lead runner, and if you look at the mid-packer, backpacker, there's always up and down. You might not see it in their face, but they're always battling it in their heads. And if you hit the bottom, it's good because you know that there is no way. It doesn't get any worse from there. You know, from there, it's only up. So That's right. you just have to, you know, I don't know, throw in some sugar, slow down, maybe take a little break. But there's always that up after that. And the longer, than, the longer you can ride at the upper wave, the better it is. That's right. You know, I'd be remiss if we didn't touch on um, your race at the Fat Dog 120. So if you could, uh, we you don't have to go into a super in-depth, but maybe just give us some highlights from that race. What was it like 
because I'm, I'm assuming according to your ultra sign up, you know, that was the first time you had kind of crossed the, cross that, um, past the 100 mile threshold, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so what was like, what was that mentally like to push past? Cause you had another marathon on top of it, right. Essentially after you crossed hundred miles, um, and just that race itself, it's, it's a pretty iconic race. Um, you know, it's one that, that I'm familiar with. Uh, so when I, I saw that on your uh, ultra sign up, I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk about that. So if you could hit, hit some highlights from that race. Yeah, for sure. You, you, Caleb and Ryan, you both should come and experience it. And if you don't want to do the the full 120 miles, you can do the shorter distance. Uh, but this race is uh, like a pinnacle of trail and ultra running, uh, not only in British Columbia, but in Canada uh, itself. You You run through multiple provincial parks um you're most most of the time you're in the back country it's all mostly single track you get amazing alpine views throughout the race and you get really great volunteers uh entire community gets together to help out and it's just uh, it's the uh, um experience of the lifetime uh for sure um and uh yeah this year i'm going to be volunteering there um, but yeah, it's uh, something at first time I saw it, it, it was probably too, it was it COVID, uh, but, uh, when COVID started, I was just looking at the hardest races in Canada Whoa. and this popped up and I watched the video, this video on YouTube about it, the, the short documentary. And I was like 120 miles, hell knows where you reach Everest, what, you climb Everest. I'm like, yep. how the hell? do people do it and there's finishers and there's like many finishers like who are you people yeah like i i it just you know it lit up the fire in me i was like i just want to be like you like what do i have to do to be like one of you like this is just so impressive and there are just people with full-time jobs with three kids you know and they, like they are not elites they're they're just regular people and they can do it and um yeah it it just kindled that fire me and since ever since i saw that video i always wanted to try uh to get into that race and uh, uh it worked out that um uh the race director uh of fat dog um he he just went for a run with me and i just ran into him one day and uh, he was like hey i'm by the way the race director of fat dog. i'm like no way man <laughs> like this is like i was dreaming about this race but anyway so yeah i got into it and uh uh yeah so you're right it's it's over 100 miles it's branded as 120 miler but there's probably 125 26 miles this year uh because of the flooding that we had in the area a couple of years ago um, Eric, the race director, had to change the route a bit, and it added a bit more distance. Um, so it's just over 200 kilometers. And uh, yeah, I remember hitting uh, 105 miles at one of the major aid stations. <laughs> and you have another pretty much uh, marathon to go from there. And I already went through the night. I think it was like 22 or 23 hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thank God I had, I had a pacer, my friend Christian, and uh, I was in good hands, but uh, yeah, you know, at that point, uh, at that point, it was already after backyard. So I went through the night and I went through, I went, I ran for 39 hours. So again, it's like a little mental buildup knowing that, okay, I went this far. I know it was different course, different scenario, but I went for this long. So I knew that I can do uh, 20 plus hours there. 
uh, and uh, from there it was all uh, uh, long downhill 10k and then an, another huge climb um, but yeah we conquered it and uh, there were so many finishers there too I made a lot of friends and yeah I'm a huge fan and uh, uh, promoter of this race if uh, if someone uh, when I went to Washington last weekend and chatted with uh, many Americans and they all asked me about races I always recommend Fat Dog as if you want to see Canada uh, if you want to see all the views um, and how beautiful our country is, then yeah, do Fat Dog. That's awesome. Thanks for going into to the Fat Dog. I and I actually know the at least I think I know the one you're talking about the the YouTube video because that's I, I remember um, man I've watched a lot of YouTube uh, films on trails, uh, you know, ultra trails, and I've seen this one about Fat Dog, so I'm assuming it's probably the same one that you've seen, and and it's an incredible incredible film. So yeah, thanks again for going into that. And you touched on this in your answer. So you you had, um, it looks like the BC backyard before the fat dog. So if you could, mm-hmm. for our listeners, maybe those who don't know what a backyard ultra is, if you could kind of just give a quick definition of that and then chat to us about how you qualified for Team Canada and what was your experience like at Worlds? For sure. Yeah, backyard is a completely different world. Uh, such a different format, masterminded by uh, Laz Lake. Uh, also, uh, he's also the race director and creator of Barkley Marathons. Um, so he's a crazy guy. He came up with this another crazy idea of uh, running in loops until you can't. So it's a last man standing or woman standing format where you run every hour at 4.167 loop. Uh, every hour you have to start doing that loop. Uh, the reason behind the distance is that every 24 hours you hit 100 miles. So the whistle goes off and uh, you have to start the loop every hour and finish it before the hour is over. If you can do that loop in 40 minutes, you have like 20 minutes to rest to do whatever you want. Laz even says you can get married if you want in that uh, <laughs> uh, time frame. Uh, but uh, if you can't make it within an hour, you're out. If you can't start it on the top of the hour, you're out. And uh, yeah, and these things go forever. And uh, when two people left um, uh, and the second last person drops out, you're allowed to do one more loop. And that's when the race is over. So you cannot go forever. You can go one more loop. And then the second last person or uh, also called assist. So for instance, if assist does 50 hours, you're allowed to do one more loop and 50 hour, 51 hours. That's the end of the race. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so um, I, uh, I I also didn't know if I wanted to do this format. I was pretty much opposed because it's kind of weird format. It's just, you know, I there's no finish line. So you can, it can go forever. I also doubted, like, can I go far? Can I go long? And my girlfriend pretty much convinced me to sign up for this format. She said, what's the worst going to happen? You know, well, you fail, and but at least you tried, right? So I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, I just signed up for this, uh, <clears throat> for the provincial, um, it's called Silver, Silver Ticket Race. And if you win, you get entry to the national championship. And uh, yeah, NBC was last April. So it's coming up actually second edition soon. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I did win that one with, with, uh, 39 hours. 
uh, and uh, our the, the one in BC has a lot of uh, vert. Uh, every loop has uh, 450 feet, which is a lot for one loop. Uh, so it's not really flat. So you can't really do it really fast. You don't have much time for a rest. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's 39 now and we'll see maybe this year people are going to go further. Uh, so that qualified me for the national team. And this year uh, it's teams championship. So the way it works with backyard, one year teams compete with each other. So there's 15 people on the team and it's a satellite and it, it's be, it, it was it, he created it that way because of the COVID so that every team could run in its own country. And uh, you can watch everyone on YouTube live and everyone starts at the same time in the entire world. And yeah, everyone keeps running and our labs get together, get added together. And whichever country runs the most uh, loops wins. Uh, so yeah, so this year I made it to the team and 15 of us, were, uh, we had uh, our course was in Bridge Climate too, so, which is convenient for me. I didn't have to go far. But uh, our team uh, did an amazing job, and we we finished fifth as a team. Uh, United States won this year, and say two years ago Belgium won, and this year United States had uh, uh, just outstanding team. Pretty much everyone on the team was uh, so impressive. Uh, yeah, no one would ever catch this year, or I mean last year, uh, the team of US. And uh, so this year, the winners of those national uh, championships, they get direct entry into the individual. Uh, it's called Bigs uh, or Big Dogs Backyard. And uh, it is uh, hosted in uh, uh, Laz's uh, backyard. That's where the name actually came from because it started in his backyard. So everyone, every winner from every single country is going to head down to Tennessee to his backyard and uh, uh, yeah, we're all going to compete against each other there. See how far uh, we can go. The, the the world record is 101 hours or 101 loops. Uh, that is very impressive. It's over four days and four nights. Um, it was done in Belgium, though. So the course was not um, very steep. I know Laz's uh, course has a little bit of vertical gain. I think it's around 300 30 feet or so the day loop so i don't know if we're gonna hit the the, the world record in october this year but um it's definitely going to be interesting it's new experience for me of course because i'll get to meet amazing people like let's see rv lewis for instance you know and all their crazy peter uh, crazy people from all over the world doing this format you know so i love this i love this format um and it's it's kind of funny or so of course, we live in Ohio and Harvey is just down the road, I say, in Cincinnati, which is, you know, about three hours away. So I'm a huge Harvey fan. Uh, I was rooting for him, I think, in 21, if I'm not mistaken. I think he I think he won it. Um, the individual. I might be wrong on that. Um, I know no, it won. I think you're right. Yeah, I think he won it then. Um, ran something like uh, not even gonna, hours. Yes. Yes. Just a phenomenal phenomenal achievement it's actually funny i'm gonna see harvey before that because he's coming to race in canada in august oh is that right yeah yeah so i'll see him twice this year <laughs> that's awesome he is a great ambassador for the sport and yes. uh just a real easy guy to root for 
yeah, he's uh, impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So, so thanks for sharing that experience. Um, I think the question that I have after hearing that, so I find it interesting. Um, and I wonder if there's strategy involved at all. So, you know, with all these different countries that are running their own course, like you said, there's different elevation profiles. Um, so how does that play into the psyche of the team when you know, okay, our course has 450 feet of elevation where this other team maybe only has 200? Is there maybe a technical question here? Is there a certain limit where an elevation profile has to fit in? Because it would seem that if you had a very flat 4.167, well, goodness, you could go a lot lot more loops there than someone like yourself on a 450 foot loop yeah and and you know what there's no rules for elevation there's rule for distance right it has to be 4.16777 yeah Uh, but we are free to choose uh any elevation profile so it's up to the race director that gets assigned uh, for this say, national championship. So it is definitely in our best interest to make it as flat as possible or or whatever works. Like I personally don't like very flat cur- course because um, <clears throat> at some point it's nice to kind of break for a little hill, a little up sure. and down, different muscles get involved. So you kind of alternate them. Uh, but the course that we had uh, had a bit, more vert than needed uh and again it's it's up to us so if, if we chose that course that's that's our problem you know we could have chosen the 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 flat ish course and we could have chosen i know in mexico they have like super steep course and they just like it that's the way they do it and uh, many some some of the some of my teammates thought that's why uh, we didn't go as far as we could potentially. I still think that we did amazing, uh, being the fifth team in the world. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, you're right. It's uh, it's uh, it's totally up to us. Uh, we we get to select it, and it's not like Laza signs. Hey, there's there has to be like 300, 400 feet. Or, yeah. So um, I think a little bit of vert is good, um, and especially if it's a national championship here were not to compete against each other you know if it was against each other it doesn't matter what course it is we're all in the same kind of conditions right, right? but here we are competing against other national teams so yeah we want to make sure that the course works for every single runner no it's awesome so you are first i'd be remiss if i didn't give manitoba a shout out so my favorite family vacation when i was 10 years old my entire family we flew up taking many planes because, as you know, Manitoba is very remote. And we took a polar bear sightseeing vacation to Manitoba. So you're the first person I've heard say Manitoba in about the last 25 years. <laughs> so the nor- shout out to the Northern Lights in Manitoba. That is amazing. I'm glad, Ryan, you brought it up. Yeah, Manitoba doesn't get enough attention. Uh, you know, entire Canada is so beautiful. And uh, Manitoba is prairie, so it's mostly flat and Sometimes people say, oh, it's so flat, so boring, but there's a beauty in it. And, you know, and if you go all the way north, just when where you went, Ryan, and, you know, there's, it's so amazing to see the wildlife and nature and that remoteness. There's beauty in it, you know, and I, I think every part of Canada is is beautiful. So it's funny um, when when I had reached out to you and you agreed to come onto the podcast, I had uh 
I was just curious how far away, uh, you know, Chilliwack was from from North Canton, where we where we live. And uh, so we pulled up the map and we're looking at Canada. And I'm like, I mean, I knew Canada was big, but oh my goodness, it is it is insane how much landmass there is. It is shocking yeah. how big it is uh, and how beautiful it is. Uh, but we were kind of laughing about that, which I guess leads into our next question. Um, so this is the most recent race that you've done. And and this did not take place in Canada. You came to the States for this and to the, the state of Washington uh, at the Badger Mountain Challenge. Uh, this was a hundred mile race. Not only did you win it, but you you set the course record pretty significantly. So if you could take us take us through that day, what was it like? How was the course? How was the community? And uh, what did it feel like to to set a course record? For sure, yeah, Caleb. Thanks. Um, community, uh, I felt like home. You know, and that's another thing about ultra running community. No matter where you go, people are just so amazing. Like they, I've, it always feels like you've known them for ages. You know, you can just can hit conversation so easy with them and. Everyone is so supportive. And the beauty of Badger Mountain um, Race is that it's a completely nonprofit. Um, everyone is a volunteer, including the uh, race director, which doesn't happen very often. So people are there just because they love doing it. They love bringing people together. They love supporting and love watch people challenge themselves and accomplish uh, their goals. The entry fees so cheap and you get just so much out of it and um, there's so much food at the aid stations which is probably the biggest passion for people <laughs> that love to be out there for long you know and indulge in all the foods uh uh yeah and uh, i wanted to do something earlier in this season um and badger mountain was uh i think a really good option and I had it in my mind last year, but it didn't work out. So this year was really good option. And it's it's not really a long drive for me. It's like five and a half hours or so. Uh, and uh, I had a really good training block um, and winter time. And I felt like I was ready and just wanted to use up fitness a bit. And uh, so there's some competition. There's some legendary runners from uh, Washington State. Uh, state and uh, there were quite a few good Canadian runners coming down there too uh, so yeah and I've never been to to the desert before uh, I've never been to Washington I actually didn't realize there is a desert there and you know because in my in my head it was all cascades there you know <laughs> but a bit of a drive and all of a sudden it's desert no trees and so windy such a different train and it's so beautiful just different type of beauty right and um, yeah, I I just uh, um, yeah started. We started really fast. I was trying just to uh, not to lose the first guy. I was right behind him all the time. And at some time, at some point, we realized that we were going too fast. And uh, we we did the half marathon in one hour thirty nine minutes. The opening half marathon. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> which by itself really good result and we already had like six or 700 meters or what is it 200 feet 2000 feet gain uh, and i was like i was telling him i think i think we're going too fast <laughs> i think we might regret it later and i mean we did slow down eventually but yeah i felt really good nutrition worked well 
Um, and I, yeah, I, I was able to maintain the pace and, uh, I was able to run ups, downs and climb some steep ups. And yeah, I guess I just had a good day. Everything came into place. And, um, at some point I realized that the second guy was at least two hours behind me. So at that point I did some math and to see if I could break the course record. And I knew that I was already under course record. And then my, I just set the goal at the end to go under 16 hours. Uh, I mean, I, I thought it was a, a good goal, you know, to get the 100 miler under 16. Uh, and yeah, I, I just worked towards that goal. So that kind of helps you when you run alone that long. Because you And I didn't have a pacer. Uh, if I had a pacer, it would be a, a bit easier. And if I had, say, someone, some other racer with me, we could run together, help each other. But when you're running alone, you're trying to set other goals so you could kind of stick to them. So having that sub 16 was my goal, uh, probably after halfway point. And uh, uh, yeah, worked out well. And I had amazing experience, so many emotions and made so many new friends, uh, you know, and now uh, they invite me to go to them and I invite them to come to Canada do our races or just go for a run and yeah you know life is great and uh, ultra running is great i'm really honored to be a part of this community you know you had a really nice uh strava write-up of that race and uh, i think it speaks to your character and and who you are and the picture that you attached to it was just gorgeous i'm sure maybe you had the thought of like I get to run in this place. Like, cause that's what I thought when I looked at it, I was like, what an inspiring place to, to, to even just, even if you're just not running, say you're just hiking or you're with your family, like it just inspires you. So I'm sure, um, some of those vistas and those views were just, um, man, maybe they helped you get up that, get up that really tough climb. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Views, you know, ultra running, um, takes you places, you know, so you, some places you can get to on, you know, by driving or even on bike. Some people, some places you can't even get on by helicopter, for instance. Food is the only, you know, means of transportation, basically. And and ultra running takes you some amazing places. And that's the great benefit of uh, this sport. You know, many people run for views and I'm one of them. And having those views, um yeah, it's just such a perk. You know, that's the part that you don't get in backyard old tricks. You run the same loop time again, unless there's a little bit of view, but at the end of the day, you start hating that view because it's the same. <laughs> so 100 miler, especially the best part when you go point to point, you know, that's that's which what, what Fat Dog is all about, that you basically see always something new. And uh, yeah, views and uh, trails. That's why I'll never go back to road running. Uh, just you know you you can trade that you can trade that nature uh and Eeyore, as we talk about beautiful runs and beautiful courses as you continue to to stack experience build your resume and your results and you know improve your training and, and the more you've learned and as i learn more about how these trail lotteries and point systems and qualifications all work and uh, the, the golden tickets that are referred to and the buckle belts that I hear about and races <laughs> such as Western States, Hard Rock, UTMB. Do you have any interest or goals of throwing your name in the hat to get in the mix for those races? 
Uh, yeah, good question, Ryan. You 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 know a lot about ultra running is for the bodybuilder. I'm that's, learning. That's, I'm learning. That's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> I still think that ultra running is is about that small feel, small town feel. Uh, it's about community, and lately we we'll, we see a lot of, I feel like negative emotion when it comes to uh, big corporations. Uh, coming over and trying to monopolize um, the ultra running world the way it mm-hmm. was done with, say, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> having said that, that's what brings the elites and most the most professional runners together, most competitive runners together. I do have uh, uh, those races that you mentioned on my reader, um, but they're not in my top five or not even top ten list. Uh, like Western States and UTMB. Uh, I think one day I'll get there. Uh, again, you got to qualify, you got to run on, collect uh, the points, et cetera, et cetera. Or with, say, Western States, you can just win the golden ticket race, uh, which in itself, a big accomplishment. It's hard to it. There's no plans for it this year. I think I'm a bit late with um, golden ticket with Western States, anyways. The last uh, ticket race will be at the end of April mm-hmm. uh, and it's sold out. Uh, but yeah, with UTMB and um, uh, with uh, Western States, maybe uh, sometime down the road, uh, it's not a big deal for me if I don't get in. There's like so many wonderful races out there. Hard Rock's definitely in my top top ten list because it's a bit different. It's just the lottery; you can't really qualify for it. You you have to uh, basically put your name in the lottery and uh, and uh, hopefully one day. Uh, get into it. I mean, people spend years and years trying to get into it, and uh, from just from experience of everyone who did it, everyone had a blast, and everyone one of the most scenic and and uh, most beautiful races in in the United States and the world. Um, you know, Gary Robbins still trying to get in, and he he says he he, he I think he pays many people there, and uh, he he's still trying to get into it, and. Uh, so yeah, but there's many other races all over states, world, Canada. I would love to. I wish I had more time, you know, mm-hmm. to do them all. But uh, it would be a nice, you know, to experience in every single state and every single province, and just run, run hundred mile or whatever the distance is, and just to see it with your own eyes and your own feet. Uh, yeah, that would be amazing. That's the goal. That the goal is to try not to overkill it uh ryan and you know stay healthy mm-hmm. and have a really long lasting career in this sport to see people like carl melter for instance the the speed goat he's been rocking for decades yeah and that guy that guy is still doing 100 milers and so i just want to be one like like him kind of you know to have a long lasting career and not to get some uh, injury that will prevent me from enjoying this sport, uh, you know, and uh, see the world to meet more people and uh, become a bigger part of this community. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. I love the thought that you've put into that and that your bucket list necessarily might not line up with, you know, the, the top Googled, you know, trail races. So if you would, I'm curious now that you kind of went that direction. So whether this course exists and maybe you do have a specific bucket list of, we'll say a little less, you know, known races, or maybe it doesn't exist. So if in your mind you were to build a race that piqued your interest, 
what would the course have? Where would the course be? So for you to get really excited, or a course, again, maybe you know that you haven't been able to run on yet, what would get your blood pumping to, to make you personally feel challenged and super excited going into it? What, what would Mentally, what would that course need to look like for you? Good question, Ryan. Uh, that would be that race certainly has to be in the mountains. You know, there's nowhere on, around it. I feel desert is gorgeous. Um, if desert had, has mountains, that's even double there, right? But uh, in my head, it's always in the mountains. It's something with a lot of vert, um, at least like a lot. I mean, twenty thousand feet plus. So that's where the the the, the challenge comes. Um, and uh, yeah, so Fadog is one of them, right? And uh, there, there's many races like that in states. You know, if we take, for instance, uh, Hurt 100 uh, um, in Hawaii, if there's Orcas, right? And there's every state has amazing examples. And there's like Cruel Jewels in uh, Georgia, right? Um, or um, yeah, again, mentioned Hard Rock or Colorado, yeah, has. Uh, lots of tough races is the place probably where uh, everyone will be challenged, especially with altitude. I've never done that. So I've never been at the anywhere above 3000 meters. I don't know how I'm going to react. So it's something mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to experience in future. Uh, but yeah, the short answer to your question, something with mountains with a lot of uh, elevation and point to point or one big loop so that you don't repeat the same uh, trail again again <laughs> i like it no i think that's a great answer and i'm going to show uh i don't know maybe this is creepy maybe it's not maybe it just shows you know, that i'm an attentive um <laughs> i'm an attentive person on strava but i i've actually saw that you were you were on the hurt 100 course correct this year <laughs> you're a creeper eh? oh 100 yeah yeah you said the hurt and i was like that makes sense because I'm pretty sure I saw I saw some post of him uh, <laughs> living it up in Hawaii. Well, you know, well Gary Robbins is the course record holder, and I don't right. think that time will ever be touched by anyone anytime soon. Uh, but I did put my name last year in the Hurt 100 lottery, but I just didn't get drawn. Uh, and um, our good friends invited us to, just to Hawaii, and we joined them and. Uh, I was there, so you know, might as well check out the course. And if if it works out uh, th this year, I'll put my name in the lottery again. And the way it works with this lottery, just like with any other uh, lottery, is that the more times you put in your name into the, you know, into the basket, the the, the more likely you're gonna get drawn. So yeah, I went out there and checked it out. And uh, there's a lot of mental challenge there because you do the loop five times. Um, so it's not point to point, but you know, you're being in the jungles and that humidity is another hardship. That's just a, such a destroyer. You know, you, I, I ran same pace, but my heart rate was way harder, you know, like you, you work harder in that humidity and you got to get used to that for sure. So that, that's what makes Gary's time is so, is this time so impressive, uh, there, um, yeah so yeah i was there and maybe hopefully i'll go there next year as well as uh, as the racer though yeah that would that would be amazing um i do want to ask this question uh sure. given your connection with laz through the backyard ultra 
and given your connection with Gary, does anything like the Barkley pique your interest at all? Is that something, um, because that again is so much different than anything else that takes place in the ultra community. Um, is that something that you think is a neat event, but yeah, it's not really for me, or is that something that maybe one day down the road, you'd like to figure out the secret way to, to apply for it and, uh, and give it a go. Yeah, Caleb, I, I think I would give it a go. It's just, um, it's not as easy, right? It's one of the races that has its challenges. It's challenging even before you apply, before you start running it, you know? So that's the race where you have to figure out how to get in. Uh, You have to get in and then (laughs) hopefully you can stay healthy until the beginning of that race um and yeah you see that race devoured so many uh amazing ultra runners great ultra runners you see some people uh that are famous that are good conventional 100 mile runners but they can't even do one loop of barkley you know and i guess that's what drives people there drives their interest like why everyone wants to know and uh, this year, you know, there was no Canadians uh, at Berkeley. So we're mad at Laz for that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is, you know, uh, really great people uh, participated this year. And I'm really happy uh, there's finishers and they're all well-deserved finishers. Uh, I'm really happy that they conquered the Berkeley course this year. But yeah, answering your question, I would not exclude that opportunity. Uh, for sure. Now, you are, you made me think of something that you uh, know, Caleb has mentioned before too, you know, with some of these races that require a lottery or some sort of selection or a, a secretive way to get a part of it. And even if you're technically qualified as a racer, you don't necessarily get into the race. So how do you now at this point, how do you set up your training blocks knowing that you may or may not right because again coming from the bodybuilding space the first thing we do is put that date of that competition on the calendar and you know that competition is happening and you know you're going to be in it but in in the trail space y'all don't know you're going to get in a race or not so how do you try to not overdo your training but make sure you stay in shape should you maybe get a ticket into one of these races and then how would you pivot or how have you pivoted before in a scenario where maybe you were in shape for a race that you ended mm-hmm. up not being able to get into, how is that from your training standpoint? How do you handle that? Yeah, uh, usually you would know that you get in a few months prior, you know, okay. sometimes three, four months prior. So those lotteries happen way before the race. So, for instance, Western States is a June race, but you know that you get in in November, I think, or December. That's when the lottery. So you got half a year to train for. There's other races that you still can get in. Uh, but some races, you know, so say for instance, Barclay, I know you might not get in, you know, being pretty close to the race. And uh, in that case, you can have, say, two goal races. So you said, okay, yeah, this is my race A and uh, I want to race it. But if it doesn't happen, okay. I'm maybe going to do another race in a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever. There's so many options out there, right? Um, especially in the United States, right? For instance, mm-hmm. every 
state has multiple ultra races. And, uh, you know, if you can make that race, so there's a short fly there here. So, yeah, you can always have plan A and B, but most of the time you have enough notice uh, to know that you're going to get in. And then, you know, you can always get injured. And it, it happens so often that you can get an injury and you can make that race. And yeah, some uh, some races have policies where you can basically defer to the next year. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's basically answering your question. Uh, yeah, there's usually enough notice, and if if you can make that route, there's always release B that uh, uh, you can take instead. So as we start to uh, to wrap things up here, listen, you're. <laughs> I could sit here and talk with you for a while and, and we're <laughs> gracious for the amount of time that you've given us. Um, but as we start to wrap things up, Ryan, did you have any last questions, parting thoughts? No, I'd say that the one thing that stuck out and yours said it multiple times and you I've always told folks that availability is the best ability. And you've kind of spoke to that. And I just, I couldn't agree more because when it comes to training and no matter what you're training for, if you're overtrained to the point of hurting yourself, you know, that does you no good. And so I appreciate that you've kind of spoke to that on multiple different points, because yes, you know, you have to put in hard training, but if you train so hard and, or if your nutrition isn't lined up, you know, anything that takes you out of peak condition and especially an injury can end up setting you back way further than if you, you know, you, maybe you pulled back on your, your training a little bit. So, you know, thank you for telling the listeners how important the health side is because yeah, if you get to race day and you're hurt, it's no go you know no that's a good point ryan yeah i i often say uh you better be under trained than over trained you know and i i always think that um uh, listening to your body is the best way to go you know you can uh, have a plan and stick to it but if you feel like your body is burning out well that's no good you know i lately many uh elite runners are transitioning to having a lower mileage week, more quality week, uh, more um, basically self-discipline or, you know, taking care of your body, taking, listening to your body. And um, <clears throat> they have better performance. You know, you better be more fresh, a bit, you know, ready to set it off rather than overtrained, having hundreds and hundreds of miles on your body. But you know, totally tired. That's the that's the recipe for injury. And then you get that injury, and that injury is, is going to be serious. And you know, the next thing doctor's going to say you can't run anymore. Well, nobody wants that. Nobody, nobody wants you. You want to have a long lasting career. You want to, if it's your hobby, you want to enjoy it as long as possible, right? And that way, for that, you got to listen to your body. You know, your body is never going to tell you something wrong if if it's if you feel like it's too much you feel like okay something is the hot spot is coming up here okay let's slow down here i know the plan says we got a we have a speed work but i have heavy legs well if you do speed work and heavy legs you're going to pull something that's it you're going to set yourself back for weeks you know so gotta listen to your body that's the best plan yeah great advice for our listeners um so two things we'll wrap up with here um Number one, what can we expect from you uh, for the rest of 2023? Do you have any other races on your calendar so that if we want to follow along and root for you, uh, what, what are those races? What's your plan? Uh, sure. Yeah, I, I have a few races coming up here in Canada. Um, I'll, I'll be in uh, 
well, there's one local race here uh, right where I live. Um, but in August, for sure, I'll, I'll be doing the Canadian Death Race. It's in Alberta. That's where Harvey is going to uh, be. Um, so, uh, yeah. And uh, I guess the, the biggest race for me this year is going to be the Biggs Backyard Ultra in October, October 15th, I believe. The mid-October, it was going to be in Tennessee. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a big event. Uh, lots of good runners there. Uh, yeah, other than that, you know, I don't have the schedule, I guess, set. I'm still planning and thinking you have some races. Most of them are going to be in Canada, though. But again, uh, I am on Strava and uh, it's all open to everyone. I, I am. I encourage everyone get on it. I, I love Strava because... I can learn a lot from other people. Sometimes I watch other runs, see what they do or see what they explore. I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'm going to incorporate that. So I think that's that's the good part about Strava. That's why I always keep it open. If people can learn something from me, that's great because I'm learning from other people. Uh, you know, I know many elite runners, they close their accounts, make their private. And um, maybe it's like, that's why I say that I'm not elite. You know, I, I like to exchange information, share it with people and be a part of this community. So what he's telling us listeners is let's go creep him on his Strava. <laughs> we're going to, well, that's what you were doing, Caleb. So it's, it's true. Everyone can follow my lead and you can, you can see some pretty incredible training he's putting up. So we'll, we'll put that in our show notes for our listeners. Uh, I think he's a great Strava follow and um, yeah, I just want to say thank you. I, I think this has been a great conversation. Um, you mentioned earlier you said in in the ultra community, it kind of kind of feels like when you get to talking to some people, you kind of feel like you've known them for a while. And and I will say, in this short conversation that we have, I, f- I feel that way. Um, I think you've you've brought up a lot of good points for our listeners. And I think the way that you carry yourself in the sport, you talk a lot about. Yeah, sure. You know, I'd like to get into those races someday, but that's not my focus. Um, I think right now in the sport, you see a lot of people hyper focused on those races, like. Anything that isn't that race doesn't matter. And, and and really, that's just not the truth. You know, you talk a lot about um, community and even in your Strava post when you were chatting about this Badger Mountain trail race, um, how that like, yeah, you won the race and you set a course record, but you were talking more about the people that you met and the race director. Um, and I think we need more of that spirit in, in our in the sport. So I just want to say thank you. Um, for who you are and what you're doing in the sport and and know that uh, you've definitely got two people here that are going to continue to root for you and and follow you along your journey. Thank you so much, Caleb, for your kind words. You make me blush. <laughs> it's, it's great to know I have international fans. <laughs> That's right. International. That's right. Thank All right. Guys. Sure thing. So we hope there is something that you gain from this conversation. Our goal is that you would take away inspiration that allows you to go an extra mile in your next run or add another pound to your next lift. Until next time, run towards your goals, lift up others, and grow your perspective. 